Welcome to the Good Doctrine Podcast, where we believe that good doctrine establishes good living. I'm Sean Pasley. And I am Josh Howard. And we're here with uh, Pastor Lawson Harlow of uh, Mercy Hill. And we're thankful for him coming back over. This is, this is the second time you've come over here yeah. to, to chat with us. Yeah, so second time Lawson's come over here. Um, we have talked a lot about the uh, the potential dangers of Facebook, but Facebook has at least one uh, one feature that I'm I'm thankful for, and that it alerts birthdays. And Facebook told me today was your birthday. What? So first of all, <laughs> first of all, is that true? Yes, that's okay, true. Okay, so second oh, of all, my goodness, are you the saddest person that I know that you came and spent your birthday with me and Sean in a podcast <laughs> room, or do you love God's word that much? Because one of them is going to make me sad, and one of those answers is going to make me like really esteem <laughs> so, you as a giant in the faith. So, um, I first of all, I'm 30. This is okay, big um, one. So three decades. So it's been a really introspective morning. Um, <laughs> 30 is tough. No, I actually can't think of anything I'd rather do. Like, what else am I going to do? I'm going to go to the house and do nothing today. I, yeah. That doesn't that doesn't entice me. So I'm glad to be here. Good. I, well, happy birthday, brother. Yeah. I was really, I, I was really hoping that Facebook had not alerted. Either no, well, I had just told you birthday. I deleted Facebook, so obviously I didn't see it. Yeah, I was really hopeful. It's actually. the one feature that. that makes it useful these days. Yeah, yeah. alerting you to bir- uh, to birthdays. Yeah, my thirtieth, I had we we did the black balloons and they got me like, you know, a dark cake and it was like a funeral service. It was it was perfect for me, for turning thirty. Thirty's great. Yeah. I can't wait. Well, all, your bo- you? all your bones start to hurt. Twenty nine. So one more year. Mm. Good grief, I'm old. Yeah. How old are you? Don't worry about it. I want to know. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. Okay. I'll be cool. 37 in October. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, today uh, we get to talk about something really exciting to us and um, hopefully really exciting to you, everyone listening. We're going to be talking about preaching and uh, maybe why we do it. What is preaching? Um, what's the difference between preaching and teaching? If is there is there a difference between preaching and, and teaching? And why it matters to the Christian and not yeah. just mm-hmm. the preacher. Perfect. Yeah. This Perfect. is not a podcast for preachers, so please don't tune it out right right then. Because I know when we say like we're going to talk about preaching, a lot of times we assume like, well, that's just aimed toward pastors. No, no, no. This is for the, the yeah. This is and then if you are a preacher, this is not necessarily going to be a technique. Uh, you know, like insider yeah. look into preaching and and uh, homiletics and that kind of stuff. Probably so not. We we just want to talk about the biblical pr- uh, precedent for preaching, what it is, why it's important. Like you said, Josh, to every Christian. So, Josh, do you want to start us off? Do you have maybe uh, an aspect of preaching, or do you want to just address right off the bat what preaching is? Yeah, I'm gonna let Lawson lead us off if, <laughs> okay. if he would. Let's just keep passing the buck around the room. No, you're our guest, Lawson. Uh, lead us off, though. When we talk about preaching from like a biblical view, um, without getting too technical or anything, what is preaching? Is preaching just any time we talk about God? Is it only when a preacher gets behind the pulpit mic? Like, what do we mean when we Can talk about— Can someone other than a preacher preach? There's a good one. Yeah, oh, that's, that's a long one, actually. <laughs> okay, well, let's start with the short one. Yeah, let's start with the short one. So preaching— most people have encountered preaching, right? So especially down where we live in the South, most people have sat in a service and heard preaching, but there's always something that's rather distinct about about preaching that you hear, and you're like, that's, that's different. Um, and so for me, when I think about biblical preaching, first of all, it's uh, preaching the Word of God to the people of God, uh, basically empowered by the Spirit of God. That's, that's the, that's the rapid-fire way I think about biblical preaching, and all three of those aspects are vitally important. Um, if you remove one, then the whole thing breaks, right? Because obviously not preaching to the people of God means you're standing in a room doing nothing, right? Perhaps it is that you're praying or something of that nature, which is valuable, but it's not preaching. Yeah. Um, 
under the power of the Spirit of God, well, we know quite clearly that the Spirit empowers preaching. If it wasn't for the Spirit of God uh, effectively communicating His Word and applying those things to the life of the saints, then, then really we're, we stand there powerless. Mm-hmm. Um, but lastly is the authority, and I think the authority is really what comes down and what dictates uh, good preaching, because good preaching isn't, um, isn't assessed by the ability to communicate. It's assessed by the authority that, that you're proclaiming. Okay. And so for me, when I think about good preaching, you can deliver in, in a sermon that is mediocre delivery, but is heavy on the authority of Scripture, and give me that every time over someone who's a gifted communicator in bunny or quotation marks. Right. Because that's not valuable. It doesn't do anything. I mean, we can find, I mean, just to be real honest, Hitler was an incredible communicator. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, when you mean mediocre delivery, you mean like maybe holding up their manuscript in front of their face and reading it in a monotone voice and... But 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 what and you know I'm kind of like pointing at myself when I'm saying that. But but what you mean is the content of the preaching is more than style. Absolutely. Yeah. And so like the style in and of itself, style's valuable. I mean I I don't think we want to throw style out of it altogether. Like there is a none of us want to be bad preachers. No no no. Boring or yeah. And nobody in your church wants you to be a bad preacher. Right. Yeah. Right. So nobody nobody's like man I really want to go listen to somebody preach the word unenthusiastically. Right. Um. That that's a violation I think of of what you believe about the Bible. If you can get up there and you can preach and teach and you sound like you're monologuing. Um, you know, something you're reading in the newspaper, mm-hmm. that, that's dead. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it, I'm trying to remember who originated with this, but the, the concept of preaching is, is fire, right? Light and heat. You want both. You need both. So the guy who gets up there and he's broadcasting all this light, all these things that are incredibly true, but there's no heat at all. Isn't that Martin Lloyd-Jones, the... Yeah, 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 logic, yeah. On, logic fire. on fire, and and so his, you know, that that concept of delivering something that's all light, but there's no warmth, there's no heat, there's no passion. It seems to me you're betraying what you believe about what you're teaching, right? You can give all this light, but no heat, and then the other side of that is all heat with no light. And I think of, uh, can, I'm going to use a name. Uh, so I think of Stephen Furtick on this. Right. Stephen Furtick has heat. Right, so like he'll get up there and he can communicate effectively. He can draw a crowd. What in. some people refer to as passion. So like Sean and I have talked about this with with music though, and I don't know if this is just I'm, I'm I haven't really thought this this through. So y'all help me clarify my thinking here. But when I listen to music, half the time we'll listen to songs in the car. Like let's just say I'm listening to some secular music. I have no idea what they're saying. They're slurring the words. I don't know what the point of the song is. Half the time I'm embarrassed because it's something, you know, terrible that they're singing about. But I like the beat. I like the, you know, they're, ooh, ah, you know, they're making cool noises. And I'm like, well, this is great. So Sean and I have talked about this in the context of Christian music that like, hey, what we are singing is more important than how we sing it. Mm -hmm. Not to say we want to sing terrible songs or anything like that, but the things we're saying, the message we're communicating, the content is what's the most important. When I think about preaching, and again, this is subjective, my own experience. Most of the time, if somebody's saying, man, I loved that preacher or I, his sermon impacted mm-hmm. me, it is almost never what he said. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, he was passionate. And look, I'm not trying to bash people. It's good that these guys are passionate, and hopefully what they were saying was good too, but it's it's rarely the content that people focus on. It's always, I mean, he was jumping around the stage, and he had an illustration with a ketchup packet, and then he you know, did this. <laughs> I mean, you know the, but like yeah, the types yeah. of sermons I'm talking they're about. They're not mutually exclusive yeah. because right, I've seen— right. and, and, where they shouldn't be, at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen you be more impassioned by the content of yeah. the scripture than by just like, and I, sometimes, and this is this is a negative, but sometimes I've seen people, um, they kind of have this rote 
way of preaching and they're 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 reading the word and they're they're you know giving application from the word and then they get to a uh, an illustration and then it's storytelling time and <laughs> thank then, goodness I'm out of that Bible yeah, text. Here then comes they a good story. get yeah. like real real um, energetic and enthusiastic about what they're saying yeah. and a lot of times people will walk away or I will walk away. I mean maybe we should stop speaking for other people, but I will walk away remembering the illustration right. more than the content of the word, which is, that's an ineffective sermon, then we would say, because the word is the, the point, point of the sermon. Yep. Yeah, so this indicates affections to me. So so I, I, we don't use this language anymore. It's an important it's an, it's an important use of language, right? Affections. When we consider affections, uh, and I think this is what good preaching does, it's part of rhetoric, you know, pathos, logos, and ethos. But um, when I think about effective preaching, it wants to target the affections of the people who are listening, not the emotions, the affections. Mm. But you can only do that if you yourself are affectionate for the content. Like the thing that's missing in most effective sermons, and I think uh, really even those people who preach really doctrinal sermons, a doctrinally dry sermon, I'll never forget being in preaching class and being told, man, doctrinal sermons are really hard to preach. And I get to to sit down, and I'm reading through Ephesians. I'm like, how can you preach this boring? Mm, like, how right. can this not be? Like, how can you not get up there and have to, like, force yourself to contain yourself from being just uh, loud and excited and full of affection? And the answer is you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be able to. Um, but doctrinal sermons are always the ones that are immediately looked down upon because there's just, they're just dry. They're not dry. They're not dry if you love the doctrine and if you love the God it teaches you about, Right. And so affections, I think, are the best way to think about passion in a godly way. Mm. We want to target the affections by we ourselves, the preacher, being affectionate about mm. what we're teaching. And since we're kind of on the subject of affection, I, and I was planning on bringing this up at some point, but I have kind of a confession. Um, I used to, and well, you know, when I surrendered to the call of ministry at, when I was a teenager, I thought, I was under the impression that, like, oh, well, that just meant music. Or mm. um, that, that just meant, you know, ministry for me just meant, like, I'm going to be the next Chris Tomlin or whatever, you know, I was going to be. But, you know, as the Lord, like, grew me and, and, and really groomed me for the, the role he had called me to, I started to understand preaching better, started to love preaching more. But still there was this, because I didn't understand preaching, even, you know, un- until recently, I didn't understand preaching, there was still this, this weight uh, mm. when I would have opportunities to preach because I felt this this uh, nervousness, this fear, instead of enthusiasm and instead of affection for the word, I felt afraid because I believed that I had to conjure something up, that I had to be this dynamic personality. And, um, you know, what I always make fun of like old country preachers and say like, you know, yuck, yuck and whatever, (laughs) whatever it is that I do. And so, you know, I had to kind of like bring the heat and bring the sweat rag and, you know, whatever. Um, And so I ended up for a while dreading, the opportunities that I was getting to preach. And um, and I would see, like, your Facebook posts, and I would see, like, other pastors' Facebook posts, and they would say, I'm you know, like, is it Sunday yet? I'm so excited to preach. And, you know, are other pastors here that, you know, when we would talk on Monday morning about the sermon for Sunday, and, and there would be this enthusiasm and this excitement, like, oh, man, I'm, you know, chomping at the bit. I just want to preach it now. I just want to do it now. And I never understood that because I was always so nervous because, um, and I've talked to Josh about this, because I didn't really have a, a rhythm or, to it like I do with, with music right now, and I didn't really understand the structure of preaching, the point of preaching. But man, I tell you, recently the Lord has like showed me 
uh, and, and, and given me that thrill and excitement mm-hmm. because if I, and I don't, and I, I don't think this would be ineffective, but I think this is not necessarily preaching per se, but I would be as excited to open up the Bible and just read the Bible cover to cover in front of the people. Like I, that would make me excited because I feel like the Lord has given me a deeper love for his word and, you know, more enthusiasm for like seeing his people grow under preaching. So when we're talking about affection and we're talking about loving the word, it's not just that like we're some theologically high-minded dudes who have a seminary education and we know this Greek word and we want to tell you all about dunamis or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, we love, God has given us, given preachers, his shepherds, a love for the sheep. Mm-hmm. And so it's not only a love for the word, but it's a love for the hearers of the word and an understanding of what that word will do in their life. So you're kind of broaching into the, Preaching as a means of grace, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm about to pass that right over to you, Lawson, <laughs> well, because I, I know you, wanna, you've talked about this before. Yeah, and yeah. I do. I, I do want to hit on this because this is so valuable and so important. Um, if you don't love the flock of God that you pastor, I don't think you will ever preach effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, you know, I think about that's kind of hard for internet internet based preaching. Yeah, well, that's not real. Yeah, I mean, um, but, but that's the expectation is that, like, why would you not just preach to a camera and it'll just shoot yeah. out across the world, well, this, but this you don't is, know This the is people. good to say this during this current, and yeah. I, I was kind of relaxed some, but when all of us yeah. were having to preach to our cell phones or, you know, to during Facebook COVID, Live yeah. during COVID uh, quarantines and stuff like that, you could tell, you know, and I think this is, I think this is honestly where it hit me the most when I started realizing that, like, I wanted, I lo- really longed to be with God's mm-hmm. people, to see their faces when I was teaching the Bible. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of see, because we've all been exposed to more preaching and more pastors than we normally would, um, it's it's different. And it yeah. and, and like you said, it's not really yeah. a thing. <laughs> it's not real. Well, that, so I wrote, I wrote a brief um, uh, blog on our uh, church's website called Learning in Absence, and it was just, you know, I've always, and I imagine all of us, I mean, this is really unprecedented that the church in America would shut down for right. a bare minimum four weeks, right? So everybody, most people shut down for at least four weeks. And uh, during that time, I learned in a way that I had never learned before, right? I had learned in presence. I had learned by studying the, how we do certain things. But learning in absence was a different animal altogether. And so every time I went up to the church to record a sermon for Sunday, we had four or five people who I'm just so grateful for that they were willing to come and to help do that. But they watched me struggle before that, like so that the camera's on me and I'm about to have to preach to this thing, this stupid camera. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of my elders said one day he's just going to walk up there and punch that camera and he, he's not wrong. <laughs> um, but I mean, like I would, I would mourn, like I would visibly mourn before, before preaching to this camera because there is a vital aspect of preaching that is absent. Um, one of the great delights of preaching is love. And that's, that's, what's, that's what misses so frequently today. And that's because the average tenure of a pastor is two years in their local congregation. And even then, they don't, many um, don't develop an affection for the flock of God that's among them, that right. they're a part of even, right? They're shepherds, but they're a part of that congregation as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, love, I, 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 and it can't be taught. That's, that's one of the most difficult things for me is when I have young men and we have a preaching practicum that we do from time to time, I can't teach them to love the flock of God. Yeah. That's, that's given by the Spirit. 
And so that's a key aspect of faithful biblical preaching that is often overlooked and missed today. So sorry, you, you talked about loving the saints, and, and, and that is the greatest expression of love that a pastor gives to the flock of God is by lovingly preaching the word to them. Mm. And now we can get into kind of how that unfolds. Go ahead. What was what was your question? Sorry, going back. Well, I was going to talk about means of grace, but let me skip that one and come right back to it because okay. <laughs> I want to touch on another one. Well, so we use the term expository preaching all the yeah. time, and and that might confuse some people, and it might sound weird. And I've heard a lot of people call things expository preaching that were just you know clearly not expository preaching. So <laughs> if you would, Lawson, kind of give us a, just kind of a brief definition. You know, doesn't have to be perfect, but just you know, what is expository preaching? Why do we do it? And then I want to—I just want to kind of bring out something that relates to what you were just talking about with the internet pastoring that we've that we've seen so much of during COVID. But what is expository preaching? I mean, just at its, so at its base. The, so the shortest definition of expository preaching is the point of the sermon is the point of the passage. Perfect. Um, we don't we don't go off on a limb trying to fig, trying to make a passage say what we want it to say. We look at the Word of God and say this is what the Word of God is teaching. Therefore, uh, since the Spirit's smarter than me which is, I think, one of the greatest recognitions of expository preaching is realizing our own inability and resting in the power of the Spirit in both his inspiration of the text and also the way that he will illuminate it to the saints of God um, in resting in that. Yeah. So, so that assumes there's well, a passage. I'm stepping on you. Hang on. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. So expository preaching isn't ten ways to have a happier, healthier marriage or five ways to have a new kid who obeys you. And new kid by Monday. Yeah, New Kid by Monday or Friday or whatever And it, it assumes there's a passage that you're preaching, um, like a passage assume, yeah. of Scripture, a block of the text, mm -hmm. a section which you are allowing to speak for itself. Absolutely. Um, at Mercy Hill, do you guys preach, and I'm trying to think of the, there's a Latin phrase for it that the Reformers used. Latia continua. Thank you. I, I should have known you to. See, so yeah, <laughs> continuing passages, as in you don't skip the next one because it's weird. And then go, to, you know what I mean? Like, and I've heard that from pastor's mouth. Um, you will preach the next section that is in God's word. Yes, Because it's the next section that God has given. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so for sure we do that. We took, so during um, during uh, COVID, which I guess we're still during COVID, but um, early on, like, so we had the first, the first sermon I preached in Jonah, which is the book that we're currently preaching through, was the Sunday before we took a break because of um, COVID-19 and social distancing and all of that stuff. Um, and I kind of made an internal Ebenezer, if you will, that said, I'm not going back to Jonah until we are all gathered together. Hmm. And so the only, the, the only catch here is that you can preach expository sermons, I'm convinced, that are isolated and not a continual exposition of a book. Right, right, right. And so, but, but the best place to do that is the Psalms. So pretty much the vast majority of the sermons that I preach, and also Blake, I think Blake preached, no, he preached, um, he preached one Psalm and he preached Genesis 50. Uh, but during that time, um, you know, using those types and actually being able to work through a whole passage, the Psalms are the best place for that, gotcha. in my opinion. That was okay. an aside. No, that's good, though. So preaching section by section, one of the things that, um, and this is probably just running the risk of throwing stones, but mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of the Internet preaching that is the most popular, that's the most reposted, that's the most shared by people, um, on social media and stuff like that, it's not going to be, here's an expositor of God's word, or let's just, you know, here's a pastor who is taking the next section of John, or like you brought up Jonah, here's a pastor that's taking the next section of Jonah, and listen to what God says in Jonah chapter 2. It's rarely that, it's usually listen to this half of a verse from pick your chapter of the Bible, and then watch him build a Lego set on stage 
and get real excited about the Lego set, that will get 50 billion shares. Well, it, it, so it, that's, it almost that's makes called me... preaching to felt needs, right? And so, like, we, um, you know, preachers can get in the trap of this where we, and I, I love how Brother Greg kind of, he brought this up a few weeks ago when we were talking about expository sermons. I don't know if we, we were in Colossians or if this is when he was in Second John, but he was talking about the idea that the, the word itself will appeal to the hearers. The word itself will mm-hmm. do the work um, that a lot of times we try to put, get in the way of. Yeah. So, like, we tr- we say, hmm, you know what? It's Christmas time, and I know that some of my uh, congregation they're they're feeling kind of down because you know they've blah 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 blah. You yeah. know whatever, and so we try to like psychoanalyze our people and say this is what they need. I'm going to preach a, a sermon on whatever, yeah. And, and so that's called topical preaching that we preach on a topic, not on a passage of scripture, right. and expect that God's word will do what it says it's going to do. Right? That the word itself will convict, the word itself will encourage, the word itself will will strengthen and bind up the brokenhearted. So, um, I think is, well, let me ask this. Ahead, yeah, yeah. So you, you said at the risk of throwing stones, but it does sound like we've been kind of demeaning that kind of preaching. You know, you talk about guy build, building a Lego set. Is it unbiblical? Uh, or, you know, maybe Lawson, I, sh- I should ask you too. Is it unbiblical to, to preach a topical sermon? Not if it's expository. Okay, so explain how those could yeah, overlap. Yeah, so... so I can be overly dogmatic. We we talked about dogma doctrine discussion. Yeah, so here's yeah. so you get me into preaching and ecclesiology, and I can really mix categories between doctrine and dogma. But um, and I'm so, looking back. If you reference uh, episode 34, yeah, you yeah. can find Lawson's thoughts on dogma, <laughs> um, doctrine, and devotion. But when you when we get into preaching, I can become a bit uh, a bit dogmatic. And so if you preach a sermon where you take it, where you take a verse of the Bible, or even starting with this, you approach a verse of the Bible trying to make it say what you want it to say. I think that the vast majority of errors that occur in sermon preparation start before you ever come to the text. Hmm. Meaning that if I come to the text saying, I want to preach this, even if I hand you the verses, you can take it out of context and make it say what you want it to say. It's not Absolutely. a difficult task. Um, and so I can't tell you the number of times that I've sat down with a young man who's just preached a sermon, and I look at him and I say, so you wanted to preach on this, didn't you? And they'll say, well, yes. And I said, was that in your text at all? And they're like, yeah. And they look at it again, and they're like, no. <laughs> that, that's, that's them determining what they're preaching. Sure. And so some of this is about providence. Like, I genuinely believe in the providence of God for the next passage of Scripture, meaning that I believe that before the foundation of the world, God ordained me to preach this particular text. And if it's in series, I get to rest in that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not me being, like, fretting and, you know, messing, you know, trying to figure out, oh, and, what do my people need? With that mindset, the word of God. how many times have you heard on a Sunday morning, oh, Pastor Lawson, that is exactly what I needed to hear. Oh, Pastor Lawson, or, you know, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times, and even with music, which... The way that we do music, since we preach exegetically and expository mm-hmm. sermons, and we go through the passage, and you, whatever Latin phrase you said that I don't remember now, but we just go through the passage. I will plan the music to line up with the passage of scripture, and people will say, "Oh, that's exactly." And what praise I need God to hear. for you. Well, but it's just it's the music aligns with the text, yep. and the text is you know it's an exegetical sermon. But we've heard that so much, and it's not because. I knew exactly, or God gave me some sort of special revelation into your life. No, it's the work of yep. the Word. Yep. I, I do want to ask, you mentioned the... the uh, you made a comment, or you mentioned the expression means of grace, hmm. preaching as a means of grace. Can you explain that? Because I think that a lot of our um, a lot of our audience probably doesn't understand that expression, means of grace. 
Yeah, so a means of grace is, well, let's, let's clarify just a little bit. A means of grace is not a means of salvific grace, as in you need this to be saved, sure. right? It, the way that I think about it is it is a means of preserving grace, meaning that God has used this means to communicate his love for you, to communicate the gospel to you, and to keep you. Um, you know, some of the ways God's that, ongoing grace in your absolutely. life, not his saving grace right. that happens. Absolutely. To, so not yeah. justifying, but a means of sanctifying grace. Yeah, right? that's good. Um, and so we think of things like uh, the, administra- the, administra- the administration of the ordinances, like baptism in the Lord's table, um, uh, singing the word. Uh, we always use this language, singing the word, singing the word, hearing the word. Right? So all of them are centered around the word of God. That's, that's more concise than mine. Which That's is, better than ours. Yeah, <laughs> singing, seeing, seeing, and hearing. We're yeah. still on a couple phrases from Lawson. I like well, that. You can steal whatever you want to. They're probably not original to me anyway. Yeah. Um, it's the Christian way, which keep borrowing yeah, right, phrases right. from other people. Um, but but so like when I think about a means of grace, it's, it's those things. It's the word of God being communicated to us and eliminated by the Spirit of God. Some of that's seen, some of it's tasted. Praise God for the table, and some of it's heard. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so preaching as a means of grace, I'm convinced that God uses the preaching of the word over the saints. And normally, it is it is not that one time uh, sermon. You know, we think about. I mean, there are sermons that stand out in my mind that were really impactful. Yeah. But I will never know the effect of the constant and faithful exposition of the Word over my life. It's just, it's so regular to me now. I'll never know its lasting effect of keeping me because it's so normative, and praise God that it's normative. And let me, so the illustration that, that, and who did I steal this from? I've used it in a sermon. I stole it from somebody. Anyway, the, the, the illustration that we like to use, or that I like to use is that we're not chefs that prepare something for God's people. Yeah. We're, we're a table waiter. Yeah. So That's D.A. Carson. Was it? Thank you. So uh, when Lawson's talking about this, it's not from a place of pride. It's from a place of humility that we're mm-hmm. recognizing that like what, what we need and what all of God's people need is his word as he's communicated it. That's what truly grows you. So we're not going to try to mess it up with our, our fumbling efforts and our dirty little hands. We're going to wreck what God's already prepared mm-hmm. for his people. That's, that's the whole motivation behind it. And I, I like the idea... I like both of those illustrations, you know, or I like the idea. Can that I throw one more in really quickly? Yeah, because it's funny who made this illustration <laughs> Go ahead. because it's brilliant. So Andy Stanley, this is okay. the only time you're ever probably going to hear me compliment Andy Stanley. <laughs> Andy Stanley said, expository preaching is cheating, to which I say yes and amen. <laughs> I'm it. not using my material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it is cheating, and, I'm, yeah. and I, if I'm going to cheat off anybody, I'm going to cheat off the Spirit of God. Right. Well, an even better person to reference than Andy Stanley, Vody Bauckham, I, and this is in the context of apologetics, he said, we don't, as apologists and as Christians, we don't have to know everyone else's worldviews. Right. We don't have to know everything about everything. We know what's in between, you know, the covers of the Bible. And uh, as Christians, you know, we can kind of, and so as preachers too, yep. that's what we know, that's what we preach, that's what we, so yeah, cheating, yep. fine, Andy Stanley, whatever. I'm, but, I'm, a, I'm a happy cheater, yeah. right? Like, But I, I love the illustrations that y'all give about just this, the, the, the consistency, the repetition, the, you know, the common means of grace, the ordinary means of grace that is preaching. And, you know, one of my mentors, like years ago, when I first was getting into ministry, um, and when I was first preaching, and this is, you know, I was still nervous and, and, uh, and I thought that I had to conjure everything up on my own. 
But he said, you know, a lot of times we believe, preachers believe that we have to like hit it out of the park every single time, that every sermon has to be a banger. You know, every sermon has to be quotable and has to be like the named sermon for like that man. And with those clever little phrases that are all inserted into your sermon, tweet worthy uh, little phrases. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, a temptation that we think that like people need to be hanging on every word Mm -hmm. and, and, and people need to really every sermon needs to, to, to be a home run. But, but, you know, he encouraged me that the regular preaching of the word is for your church and to keep, you know, and to also to equip, this is one thing we didn't talk about, your preaching equips the teachers in your church, yeah. like Sunday school teachers and small group leaders and things like that. It equips them uh, to go and teach. It equips the church to go and evangelize. And yeah. and so, this goes counter to a lot of a lot of the ways people have been trained to think about preaching and about sermons. This goes counter to because... I, I would I would assume most of us have been in a church service where the preacher comes up there and kind of you know dramatically folds his notes and says you know what I prepared this sermon but guess what <laughs> I've got and I'm not trying to be blasphemous but like I've got a new word or I've got a new you know God's leading me to say something just completely off the cuff and then he proceeds to not talk about the Bible but to you know Address talk about some political clip, issue yeah. or whatever he's got on yeah. his mind that day and people and people get excited at that they're like. Whoa! He's gonna, man. He's gonna let him have it today. You know what's dumb? My um, kids were watching a kids movie yesterday. It was the Minions movie, and that happened in the Minions movie. And the first thing I thought, like it, one of the Minions gets up and he has like a bunch of note cards and he drops them and he's like, "No, I need to speak from my heart." <laughs> and I, the first thing I thought of was, "Man, that really seems like a lot of preachers I've seen like yeah. ripping up their notes." <laughs> yeah, but it teaches people. So when you see that, and like, let's just assume you're a kid or something in the congregation, uh, and you see that, it 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 kind of surreptitiously teaches you that like oh so you know regular preparation of god's word careful studying of the scriptures those things aren't what i need what i really need is for jim bob to get up there and just shoot from the cuff and really scream about something that irritated him at the shoot mall this the week cuff. shoot from the hip shoot off from the, the hip cuff. oh i'm doing that thing where you mix the metaphor yeah. okay we yeah shoot from cu- whatever you know you're following me um <laughs> wow you derailed my thoughts i'm sorry now. anyway continue though with means of grace expository preaching. Yeah, well, the means of grace are always, uh, and going back to the the tweetable moments, right? Like, sermons aren't meant to be, um, I don't think they're meant to be tweetable, right? Like, I don't think they're meant to be, I don't even really think they're meant to be public in the sense that they are to make their way outside of the congregation. It's not my job to pastor the world. Like, it's just not. And so, like, we, right now... You have no idea the struggle that we have had. It's incredible. It is the most frustrating. And when I say frustrating, I think it's not only frustrating to the preacher, I think it's frustrating to the congregation. Mm -hmm. Primarily because they begin this endless contrast between, um, air quote, celebrity pastors who are excellent communicators. Praise God for them. Many of them, uh, some of them need to repent, right? (laughs) Um... But I think about I think about men like R.C. Sproul or John MacArthur. Man, praise the Lord for their faithfulness over mm-hmm. the last decade. And R.C. finishing his race, I pray that John MacArthur finishes his race just as well as R.C. did. Um, but you know, when I when I think about the pastoral ministry and the preaching of the word, God has always meant that to be done inside of a local body of believers. Yeah. Um, and so when we begin to go outside of the local church and find our primary nourishment outside of that, and then the worst part of it is when we begin to ask questions like, why doesn't my preacher preach this way? You, like, I'll be honest with you. I think the thing that needs to be said to any congregant that says that is you probably need to repent. Yeah. Now, unless their preacher is being faithless. If he's being faithful in the pulpit, he's shepherding your soul, he's caring for you, then praise God for him. And as he is preaching the word over you on the Lord's Day, 
That's a means of grace. It's also the highest means of affection that he can give to yeah. any member of his church. So I've got that coffee mug that you envy. I know you do. You haven't confessed that yet, but I know you envy it. With a, What's wrong you with know, you RC, people? Yeah, it's yeah, got yeah, R.C. Sproul yeah. quote on there. What's wrong with you people? Yeah. That's a tweetable moment from R.C. Sproul. Absolutely. Um, R.C. Sproul's ministry is like, usually you need 30 to 40 minutes of listening to him build a biblical point, yeah. and then you're like, ah, I see something in Scripture that I didn't. Yep. It's not tweetable. Nope. You can't tweet most of Sproul or MacArthur or any of those guys because why? They're building through the text. And yeah. and I think it gives us this misconception of, you know what? I need a pithy one-liner statement from a celebrity, and yeah. that's what I can kind of hang knowledge on. And it's it's just... Well, you know what you kind of alluded to? And I you kind of alluded to the idea of the, the preacher's accountability to his flock. Yeah. So... This is what we what we struggled with or have struggled with through COVID. Um, you know, when we post the sermons online, a lot more people watch those sermons than the people who weren't there from our, or the members who weren't there on yeah. Sunday morning. People from other churches watch them. People from other countries watch them. And that's, you know, it, it would be kind of ridiculous of me to say that's not a good thing. But sometimes I'm tempted to say that's not a good thing because— some people have used it as an excuse to not go to church, right. you know, because they can just watch TV preachers. And this has been a struggle since there have been TV preachers. It's not a, a new thing. But we have been really hesitant on some some Sundays, and, and even sometimes recently we've, like, not live-streamed it. Because we are only, as pastors of our local congregations, we are accountable to our local congregations yeah. for the things that we say mm -hmm. for, you know, a lot of people want to know, Hey, what do you believe about this? What is your opinion about this? I don't need to put that out there to the mm -hmm. world. What one, who cares what, you know, Sean or Josh or Greg or Mac or, you know, any right. of our pastors has to say about anything other than our congregation. Right. But also, you know, we had this, you know, in our current political climate where everyone feels like they need to comment on everything. Yep. Our church could be hurt by the world taking our uh, stance or our address out of context, yep. um, you know, kind of taking a sound bite. But, but one, the, I mentioned accountability. We are only accountable as shepherds of God's flock. We are only accountable to our flock, not right. to, you know, And we are definitely Christians accountable. Elsewhere. And we're definitely That's accountable. That's a serious thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we will answer for it, and, and as will every pastor who preaches to a flock. Absolutely. So what else have we not addressed? Oh, I know what we haven't addressed. I thought I saw Lawson keying up some notes over there. Well, I was just opening them so that I was prepared. Okay, right well, I, did, I do have a question because I have heard this a lot, and, uh, and I think that maybe you have an idea about this thing that I've heard a lot that is different from other people's ideas that I've heard. Quite, but, quite the lead in. <laughs> wow. Yeah, continue. Yep. The wow. idea that preaching and teaching are different yeah, come or on. should be different, is that a biblical idea? Is that a biblical precedent? Um, what do people mean when they talk about the difference between preaching and teaching? And let's add in some chili peppers. Uh, <laughs> what does that mean for women, like women teachers? Because this gets thrown We're around really a lot. Putting Lawson on the wow, this will be great. I didn't ask Lawson. I'm looking at both of you. It, but but does this is this different? Can a woman be a teacher and not a preacher or whatever? Right. Um, is there a difference between preaching and teaching? Does the Bible give us that difference? Or is that an idea from like 1 Corinthians where like the different spiritual gifts and all that? Where does that come from? I volunteer to go second. Okay. Go. Volunteering to go second. Yeah, go ahead, I'm volunteering Josh. to go second. My goodness. I will give you the context for what Sean's talking about because when when we talked about this um it originally wasn't. It wasn't surrounding the role of women and men in the church. God has different gender roles within his within his economy in the church. We were talking more in the lines of 
um, Sundays versus Wednesdays. Yes. And yes. I was making the comment, and I'll, I'll be honest, just just being transparent, this was not like a biblically studied comment, but I was like, well, we preach on Sunday mornings. Um, I plan to deliver a message, but it's more teaching on Wednesdays. And what I was referring to was like, I ask questions. Um, I kind of, you know, I'm not I'm not really delivering a message so much as I'm trying to have a conversation with the people that are gathered there. It's a little bit of a, you know, kind of a lowered um you know, less structured environment, yeah. but kind of looking for a little bit more feedback and trying to walk through these issues. We, we usually end with a question and answer time, which has had various levels of success depending on the, the content of the message. But uh, so like that was my original comment from a biblical standpoint. Do you have any guidance for us? So the dis- I think there is a distinction between preaching and teaching. Um, and I, a lot of it is, a lot of it you can just tell, right? So some of it is experiential. You, you, you hear someone preaching and you see someone teaching, there's a vast distinction. And there also are men who are very gifted teachers that if you put them in a pulpit where they are to preach the word on Sunday morning, there's just, it's just not there. And that's not, that's not an assault on them or anything like that. It's really not. It's, it's just a distinction. And so I think preaching the word that we see Paul command Timothy to do um, is something unique in and of itself. But I do think that God has equipped it God has equipped it. God has equipped <laughs> the church with people who are gifted teachers and teaching them what the Word of God says, but I think there is something distinct about preaching. So, like, you brought up, and this is not to say he's not a preacher, but you brought up, um, you know, R.C. Sproul, yeah. who's gone on to glory. But when R.C. Sproul was here, he was very, I mean, almost good grief. I'm trying to think of a message that he preached that I was watching. Most of his were like, he's going to wheel out a chalkboard and he is very clearly teaching a lesson. We called them lectures. Yeah. 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 He's giving lectures. And of course he wasn't doing the feedback that I was talking about earlier. He wasn't doing a lot of that, but still it was very much a teaching environment, but good grief. It was a blessing. Absolutely. Have you ever, have you ever heard a sermon by, by, and by a sermon? I'm trying to think. So almost no one has heard a sermon by R.C. Sproul because they listen to the Ligonier stuff and it's Mm -hmm. all excellent. But if you watch him preach uh, from his church, Uh, there's something dramatically different in those two moments. Mm. Um, And, and, you know, we can talk about what those two things are. Perhaps it's the authority that he's using, which, you know, obviously when R.C. Sproul would be teaching, he would be teaching, he taught philosophy and things of that nature, but he still would go back to the Word of God. But when when the totality of the information that's being given or um, what's being communicated is the Scripture, there is a massive shift. Okay, let me ask you this. Lead into the awkward part of what Sean was bringing, or not awkward part, just the kind of more, yeah. the, you know, the spicier part of what Sean was bringing up, to use his language. Um, so when you were talking about teaching and preaching, teaching and preaching, two, two of the things that uh, God equips elders to do in the church. Yeah. So we'll put that there and then just kind of set that to the side. Um, when you are preaching, you are occupying the pulpit typically in your church. It's typically part of the worship service. It's an element of the worship service. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the ordinances at the very outset of this episode. Uh, typically, the reformers would kind of add it on as a third, you know, not an actual third ordinance, but kind of as a, yeah. you know, almost ordinance of the church. You've got the Lord's Supper baptism and the preaching of the Word. See, I would say it is an ordinance. Okay, so perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, but there, and, and even for those who wouldn't call it an ordinance, like you'd recognize there's something indispensable about Absolutely. the preaching of God's Word to His people. So in that context... Because obviously the preaching, the preaching ministry of the church is something that God has ordained for the men of the church. Yeah. Um, is there is there a context in teaching? Can somebody teach from the pulpit where we don't have to call it preaching? Is teaching in the church equitable to preaching? Like, where's that distinction lie as far as what Sean was talking about? Where's this the is, distinction that's been very heavily a, debated over the last? Yeah, uh, yeah this is probably I, a huge. Easy question. This is probably but a huger. I'm not afraid of it. 
Well, yeah, um, but it, it might be a whole podcast in and of itself. Yeah, but. so so for me, if there's ever an indication that we're giving a lady in our congregation authority over the men of our church, then the answer is no. And so I think, like, for instance, on on Sundays and Wednesdays, so we meet, we, we get together on Wednesdays once a quarter, like for a whole and month out of the When you say quarter. authority, you're using biblical language. I'm using biblical language, yeah. right? Okay, so we're not saying not, yeah. we're not saying that every man in our congregation has authority over every woman Correct. in our congregation at all. Um, but I am saying that the elders of our congregation have the authority that has been very clearly indicated uh, that, that God has given them this task. The congregation has recognized that. And so yeah. for me, one of the biggest issues is why, why would I go anywhere else anyway? We have really well-qualified elders who are able to teach, who are able to care for the life of our, the body of our church. And so elders God provides to us. Absolutely. He raises up. Absolutely. These, these leaders, yeah. And so now, on the flip side of that is, I think that uh, the clear place that women need to be teaching is to other women. Mm. It's commanded. So going back to regulative principle, which we were talking about before we started recording, That's good. Um, yeah. the regulative principle dictates that older women should be teaching younger women. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we think that's not valuable. Yeah. You know, I, I, had, I, heard, a, I heard a young lady uh, a couple of days ago ask me the question, why does the Bible degrade women so much? I said, the issue isn't yeah. that the Bible degrades women. It's that you don't value what God values. Yeah. God values uh, an older woman teaching a younger woman to love and respect her uh, husband and to love her children. That's valuable. That's beautiful. That's a gospel issue. Mm-hmm. And so don't tell me that's not valuable. Encourage and strengthen the women in your congregation to teach those exact things and to trust that God's right and you're wrong if you think something different. I think we've got to keep, and, and again, this is probably a whole podcast episode. I thank you for, for answering it. Yeah, it's well a whole said, podcast well episode. Said. But man, there there is something desperately wrong, though, that we live. And there's always going to be misconceptions about God and what God does with his people if you are not one of God's children. Always. Like, the world will always misconstrue that. But um, we're trying to communicate to a world that God has a perfect plan for all that he has created and that men and women are made in his image and those who are his children have been called to a ministry within his church. Yeah. We have to keep communicating that mm-hmm. because all that comes across, I feel like sometimes is women can't be pastors. Yeah. That is the bare minimum of what we have just said, that there's so much more to it well, than to, what God has called them to. Yeah. And to kind of piggyback on, you know, Lawson, when you talk about the regulative principle, which we kind of mentioned last week uh, in our conversation, um, or on this podcast, but the regulative principle of worship is that we only do the things in the congregation or, or in the assembly that God has explicitly command that we do. Mm-hmm. And one of those things, like you said, is uh, that God explicitly commands older men to disciple younger men and mm-hmm. older women to disciple younger women. He's also pretty explicit about the roles of men and women in a congregation. Yeah. So for you know, talking about preaching and teaching, and regardless of the differences of those, there is authority associated with preaching, and there's authority mm-hmm. associated with teaching. Uh, and so God has made it explicit what yeah. he expects in that. But And again, know, just to point this out, just just to keep everybody with us, when, when Sean is saying authority, again, this is not like a word we're making up. This is not a sociological construct. It's a <laughs> biblical word Absolutely. that is defined. What, you're saying it's not oppression? I mean, I'm just <laughs> saying, we when, when we say authority... I, w- I was a sociology major in college, you know, many, many, many decades ago. Um, authority has become something different in secular culture. Absolutely. We're using a biblical word that is defined biblically, and you can we can see what God means when he talks about authority. Which authority yeah. is always lovely in Scripture. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Very yeah and good. it's also, uh, you know, our human authority is also uh, always subservient to God's ultimate authority. There is mm-hmm. no man that sits, you know, as a mouthpiece for God. There is no right. man that sits, you know, in the same 
places God. So, you know, we are under the authority of the Lord and His revealed Word. Yep. So, you know, hopefully, I mean, it's not going to, like, get people off our backs, Josh, if that's what you're trying to do, because <laughs> we've, you know, defended the Bible in this. But anyway, when we talk about um, preaching as a part of the regulative principle, maybe, yeah. we can we can talk about that. Do we have to preach on the Lord's Day? Like, why why not just... Why not just have Sunday school and or, or small group? And like, do we have to go to church and hear preaching on the Lord's Day? Is that part of the explicit commands of Scripture? So this is a, a really interesting question. Uh, Piper just kind of took up an argument for this, oh, and, did I, he? And, I, and I'm glad um, because there are some. I, I, you've probably seen this. Like, let's let's replace preaching with TED talks. Mm. Like everybody, let's put up let's put up the chairs, let's put tables out, and we'll let do, do short little TED talks. Let everybody come and do a TED talk kind of thing. Um, and Piper makes that argument at the beginning of uh, expository exaltation for the necessity of preaching on the Lord's Day, for preaching over the saints of God. That's an excellent argument that I can't reiterate right now because it's been a while since I've read the book. <laughs> um, but, you know, it is interesting that as long as there has been gathering of saints, there has been preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are some things that we see, uh, especially Acts 2, makes it really clear that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so they devoted themselves to what the apostles were teaching, which we have now yeah. in the New Testament. Absolutely. And certainly not only the New Testament, but we preach the Old Testament as well because we see that Christ understood the Old Testament in a particular way, and we want to read and study and preach the Old Testament the way that Jesus did. Yeah. And so the proclamation of the Scriptures is the means by which we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. You cannot tell me that you will devote yourself faithfully to prayer, to the table, and to fellowship if you are not faithfully devoting yourself to the preaching of the Word. You won't do it yeah. because you don't value it. Mm-hmm. And where do we get the, the commands to fellowship together, to observe the ordinances together, and to pray together? from the apostles' teaching. yeah, And so um, to, to say that we gather together for anything other than to sit under the Word of God, whether that be sung, seen, or heard, um, we've, we've, we've removed everything that is valuable to the gathering of the saints. That's good. Well said. Um, is there anything else, any other part of preaching we want to address? And remember... And I'm going to put this out here. We're going to have we're going to have to have one on regulative. I've I've got it on our list of topics to address in yeah. the future is regulative worship and regulative principle. We'll, we'll just have to have Lawson back in a couple of weeks and we'll talk about that. Yeah, but continue. You're, well, you're I was going to say just remember you know who we're talking to here because there might be some things that we've said like you know regulative principle that that need to be kind of expanded on more. Um, I, I used the example last week when we were talking about regulative principle. I went to a church. Um, when I was younger in Memphis, and they had like ribbon dancers and leopard skin oh. tights and whatever, and that was their like worship to the Lord. Um, you can tell by Lawson's groan that he agrees with me. Uh, but they, they uh, all love it. <laughs> yes. But so you know we can address that later. But maybe there are some things that we've said that kind of went over. Lay people said, "Is there an issue, or is there a?" And I'm asking this without being able to think of one off the bat. What might a lay person be thinking about preaching? Because you said you know devoting. Uh, they devoted themselves in Acts 2 to the apostles' teaching. But, you know, goodness, preaching is just so boring, and I really like those TED Talks and those— Can I, can I throw something in? Yeah. And it's something we've mentioned before, but it bears mentioning again. This is one reason why we should all be a little bit—have a little bit of a healthy caution with devotionals and uh, any yeah. sort of— if I can get on the internet, I keep picking on the internet. Forget the internet. If I can get, if I can get in my little booklet and read a a one page, and there's some great one pagers. What's the one by a uh, uh, 
Charles the one that Ford. everybody has. Morning and evening. Yeah, so morning and evening or something like that. There's some great little one-page devotionals, but if there's a half a verse with a three-quarter page interpretation by somebody, that even if it's by somebody I trust like Charles Spurgeon, that's something we should just be have a healthy caution of. Yeah. We don't grow in God by half verses. We grow in God by the whole, I mean, it, it'd be the same thing as eliminating meat, or I'll, I'll make vegetarians mad. It, it would be like eliminating something vital from our diet and expecting to grow in a healthy mm-hmm. way. Um, we're supposed to eat and to consume large sections of God's Word at a time in order to have a healthy, balanced diet of God's Word. So I would think that'd be one thing, because that, that is countercultural. The culture is moving toward TED Talks in five minutes. Five minute sound bites and tweetable moments. And I think the other thing that preaching does is it embraces uh, an oddity of slowness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in our it embraces the oddity of slowness. That's, that's kind of tweetable, right in our, there. In <laughs> our in our day and time, name one thing that we're glad to see slowly done. Oh goodness. There's nothing. We have microwaves. Like when I get when I go home and just a little bit to we, eat we lunch. We really, got time to cook this I'm, food. We're really yeah. coming off as like old men shaking their fist at the world right Bro, now. Like dang I'm, internet and microwaves. Y'all are turning thirty. Welcome, I'm, boys. I'm, Welcome. I'm fine with that. Uh, so, but but there is a recognition of slowness yeah. in the preaching of the word. My goodness, you know, you think about it. I'm. I, it took me two and a half years to make my way through the book of John. Um, and there are men who have done it much slower than I did. Yeah. Um, but not only am I having to recognize that I can't force in everything that God wants to teach the saints at Mercy Hill in one sermon. It is an impossibility. I'm shocked you haven't brought up Calvin leaving Geneva and coming back after the uh, two-year hiatus and picking right back up. What was the book oh, he yeah, was in? Oh, yeah, I don't remember. I want to say it was Job. Yeah, it was Job. Yeah. yeah, picking right back up after two years in the next section of Job, and everybody wondered, like, why? <laughs> why are we here? Because it's the next yeah, section right. in Job. Right. This is what you need. And and so, like, understanding that I can't communicate in one fell swoop everything the saints of God need to hear throughout the entirety of their life, right. but we trust that God has given us His Word, even if it is in our slow preaching and, and faithful plotting, to borrow, to borrow from William Carey, like, in that faithful plotting, there is a recognition of authority in the scriptures, and there also is a recognition of trust. And, and what I mean mm-hmm. by that is, like, I trust, and if I didn't, I think this goes back to the why I'm fearful before I preach or why I am excited. The distinction there is, do I trust that the Word of God always accomplishes its purpose and never returns void? Do I trust the fact that the Spirit will apply these things? Do I trust that He will use them either for salvation or judgment? Um, the preaching of the word has to be seen in, the, in, in that light. Otherwise, you can get bored of plotting, mm-hmm. um, or or you can get dismayed. Like, is it doing anything at all? Mm-hmm. Because, especially those who preach, who are the regular, um, the most regular in the pulpit. So, for instance, Greg here or me at Mercy Hill or wherever. Like, when you're when you're the one who preaches most regularly. Uh, rarely do you have people walk up to you and be like, my goodness, like this just really impacted my life, this exact phrase. I know that the Word is doing the work, but when someone goes up to preach for the, the you know, the they preach once every six months, they're going to get like a flood of people walking by, praise God, and, and, and praise God for that. Don't misunderstand. I, I'm glad to hear that. Um, but those who labor slowly, um, they trust that it is a slow work, but it's God doing that work, mm-hmm. and so I get to rest comfortably knowing that He will indeed give growth. Yep. Um, 
And so, and, and you know, the, the central piece of every pulpit, every good pulpit anyway, is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. It's not the man. It's nothing of that nature. It's just the faithful exposition of Scripture and trusting the Spirit of God will use it to sanctify the believers and also pronounce judgment on the unrepentant in the room. Yep. it's good. That is very good. Well, let's end on this last uh, topic. And um, I don't know if this is going to take a long time. might just be a yes or no question, but can... Uh, non-ordained lay people preach the word. So, for example, we are ordained Baptist ministers, uh, ordained by local congregations and and recognized as Baptist uh, pastors and preachers, and so we are expected to preach, right? And uh, as regular preachers, you know, like you mentioned, Greg here and you at Mercy Hill, you are expected to get up in the pulpit and have uh, a message from the word of God. But can uh, can and or should the layperson, the Christian layperson, preach the word? You want to take that one? Are we assuming this is on the Lord's Day? Because that, that, that's an important assumption. Okay. Uh, well, we can say, let, I mean... Let's say yes. We have Yeah, let's say yes, but we have all already talked about the difference between like Wednesdays and Sundays. Yeah. And so is there a difference? I think there is. Okay. So I, we, I place a high emphasis on the Lord's Day. Yes. Um, and I think that's reasonable. We see it made reference to multiple times in the New Testament. I yes. think that Jesus bought the Lord's Day with the resurrection of the dead. Um, we're, to, we're to observe it. We're to gather together with the saints. And I'm convinced in that particular setting, the elders of the church are to be the ones who are preaching and teaching the Word. That is not to say that there are not lay people who can effectively do it. I've got... I've You're got, talking about regular expectations should be the elders. Yes. And, and see, that's... Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say that that's what I'm leaning toward. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm leaning toward that it should be the regular because we talked about earlier, God raises up elders to accomplish the task that Absolutely. he has ordained elders to do. So he will equip, he will provide. However, like, I mean, I'm just thinking of Charles Spurgeon still, and, you know, his conversion story was, you know, primitive Methodist church and dude yeah. got up there and just could read the text barely. It, should that be the normal expectation of that church? No, nope. but God used that experience to save Charles Spurgeon. Absolutely. That's one experience granted, but I'm just saying I don't th- see anything in Scripture that prohibits that, yeah. but the regular expectation, yes, absolutely should be the elders of the church because that's what they're there for. Yeah. God sent them for that purpose. Well, and every, this is one of the areas that I, I will end up having some disagreement with many of the confessions. Um, you know, for instance, the 1689 uh, dictates that only the ordinance can be administered by the elders um, of the church, which some people some people agree with, some people disagree with. But I do consider that the preaching of the word is a, and by and by that I'm saying on the Lord's day should be most normatively done by the elders of the congregation. But I don't think it disqualifies um, laymen mm. from teaching. Assuming, and this is where this is where it does get a little a little hairy because for me, at the same time, I still want them to meet the qualification for elders to get right. up there and preach on the Lord's Day. Right. Um, they may not be recognized as an elder of that congregation, but for me, I'm I'm just real, and, and I'm real slow to bring people outside of our congregation to preach on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I just don't do it. We have we have men who can preach. Why would I get somebody from outside? They don't know our they don't know our people. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's well, I mean that goes boils down to the what you believe preaching is. Yeah. And so. Yeah, because um, I, you know, I've I've come from a church that always had like traveling preachers come through while there were other ministers, you know, like on staff that, yeah. you know, sat on the chairs on stage and just sort of watched, you know, those. What kind did, of, I'm sorry, this so this is I lose, and I'll try to leave this alone. What an insult to your elders. So a church that I was uh, at at a different point in my life, um, 
every so often the pastor would get another person to come in and preach on the Lord's Day, and I'm sitting there, and I, and I actually been at this congregation longer than he had, and, um, and he'd get another guy to come in and preach regularly. So if he was out, he would call somebody to do that, and that was, that was one of the most— And that's standard practice at that a lot is, of churches, it, it is. right? It, and, it's, and it's degrading. Like, I mean, I, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to get out—I was, you know, 2021. I'm not saying I'm going to get there and crush it. But if we're aiming to train men to faithfully teach the word, then we have to give them opportunities to preach from the pulpit. Yeah. And so it, it was always one of those things that was essentially someone looking at me who was supposed to be a mentor and say, you can't do this. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's damaging. It's not only damaging if you think about it to the individual, it's damaging to the, to the place that he will pastor in the future because yeah. we're not training people to preach the word. Yep. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, well, I think that was pretty good <laughs> and pretty comprehensive. Hopefully... Um, you as a layperson listening, or you as a, a pastor listening, have um, gotten some, just you know, enjoyed this conversation. Gotten some maybe uh, things, more things to think about, some helpful tips or what have you. And we want to be, we want to be encouraging you to think biblically about preaching. Just yeah. think biblically about where yeah. you're getting um, your Bible teaching and preaching from. With an eye toward closing, should we end with the, uh, should we end with the hot take question or a book recommendation? What do you <laughs> mean to end with? Um. Go for it. Which one? <laughs> Why would you do this? Just the point. Hey, uh, Genesis 6, is it Demon Babies? Demon Babies or Lana Seth Go. No prep time. Demon Babies. Demon Babies. Right, there we go. Okay, so we're going to have a keep, one of keep my a tally on the book. dying on the inside. Yeah, right now. <laughs> no, we'll keep a tally. It's fine. Um, seriously, any book recommendations? What are you reading right now, Lawson? Uh, so I'm reading uh, The Existence and Attributes of God by Stephen Charnock. Okay, uh, of course. Which is really good. Um uh, theology proper is my favorite thing to study, uh, but book recommendations on preaching. I think that the most important. This is this is funny to me, but I, I read it every year. Um, the most important book on preaching is not a whole book; it's four chapters, and it's the and it's the first four chapters of John Piper's book, The Supremacy of God in Preaching. Hmm. There's one there's one chapter in there that's on the gravity and gladness of preaching, and that's what I want to see from every pulpit everywhere I go. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, so John Piper's going to sell a lot of books now for four chapters. He's but. sponsoring our podcast. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Is that it? No. Uh, no, but that's that's good. I, I was trying to I was trying to think of a p- good preaching book that that I have read, but truth be told, I don't think I've read one. Kind of the standby classic is, is Lloyd Jones is preaching and preachers. Yeah. I mean, most yeah. people punt to that. Yeah, I'm trying to think that I, if if someone is listening that wants to read about preaching, I, I've got nothing unique. But that's that's good, John. So the supremacy of Christ in preaching, and he's supremacy of God, in supremacy preaching. of God in preaching by John Piper. Okay. And Piper's a good author. I mean, like as far as flowing, easy to read. He's yeah. he's very accessible. And I would recommend if you want to hear examples. If you're listening to this podcast, you will listen to other podcasts um, rather than just letting the internet that we hate so much over here, <laughs> the, mm. rather than letting the internet wash over you, use the internet as a tool and seek out some of the men that we've been talking about, like John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul. I love Stephen Nichols and uh, Stephen Lawson, who are also, um, I guess they've partnered with Ligonier. It's, or Stephen Nichols is over Ligonier now, but Stephen Lawson is has his own ministry. I love their preaching. I love their, their teaching. And uh, if you want to hear good exegetical, good expository sermons, Listen to those guys. Or listen to Sproul. If you've never kept up with his teaching or listen, ministry, uh, they actually, still stream it. Listen to your own pastors. Yeah, so I was actually going to say <laughs> yeah. the best preaching you will ever hear yeah. um, is going to be the obscure pastor who has labored in his church for decades. That's good. That's better than what I—forget what I said. Yep. 
go turn the off ladder. the internet as we're as turn we're still, off the yeah, internet. As we're still shake, go find the giant plug in your town and just unplug the internet. <laughs> uh, that's how it works, right? Um, yeah, that Al Gore sure. created or whatever, and uh, and go and listen to your pastor, yes. pastors, elders. Um, good. Okay. Well, Josh, you want to close us? Uh, yeah, I'll close us. Thanks again, Lawson, for being here on your birthday, no Enjoy. less. Um, look forward to having you back soon. Uh, shoot us any questions, guys. Good doctor and podcast at gmail.com. Interact on Facebook with us if you must. And you in the meantime, must. we pray that your good doctrine will establish good living.